Welcome to the A-Train Show. Radio personality, Isis Jones. I appreciated being appreciated. Sometimes yeah. that little thing alone can, can go a long way where somebody says, yeah, we, we might need you. And, and better yet, it was time. You know, I, I think the climate in St. Louis is, is, is good. Um, we always talk about the negativity, not, and I always have a, a tendency to bring a, a lot more positivity to the situation. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I think y'all needed me. On the In The Zone Network. City to city, state to state, worldwide, you are listening to the In The Zone Network. You know, when you say you, you gave the city your all, that ain't true. You asked for Dwight Howard, we gave him to you. Didn't work out. You asked for Chris Paul, we gave him to you. We asked for some, you asked for some shooters, we gave it to you. We asked for Westbrook, your homeboy, we gave him to you, it didn't work out. And when you say, I gave you everything, I say, no, you didn't. I used to be like James. I used to come home and complain, man, he didn't do it, and my father, rest in peace, Sergeant Philip Harrison used to say, but what the hell did you do? Hey, y'all, this is Naomi Gray, sports reporter and anchor out of Minnesota, and you are listening to The Price Check. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Price Check Podcast. I am your host, Josh Price doing this thing live here on the In The Zone Network, going city to city, state to state, worldwide. An eventful week here in the NBA, yet again. Happy New Year! Happy New Year. Our first show back in uh, in 2021. We're back. We didn't get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't put the stomp to us yet. <laughs> no, not yet. Now. Not yet. We have uh, big news in the NBA this week. We have been we have been waiting for it for a while. Yeah. Finally happened. Yeah, James Harden has been traded to the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. I actually thought before, and we'll we'll give a, a running timeline for the for the folks listening of how all this just <laughs> went on and played out. Yeah. Um, he actually went to a team that I didn't think was going to make the trade. I didn't think Brooklyn was still in on it. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. I thought it was Philly or bust. Yep, yep. And, and then, sure enough, it busted. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he said, hey, I'm going to a different Atlantic team, not the one that everybody's thinking of. And so so we'll, we'll kind of unpack this trade from all angles. Um, let's first take it back. To what triggered the you know the sudden movement of one James Harden uh, played the Lakers, and no, I don't want to bring this up just because the Lakers are my favorite team. We're not even going to speak on them very much today, if at all. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> playing the Lakers. This is the game where LeBron decides that he takes the three point in the corner and turns around before it goes in. You know, Steph Curry style. I guess him and Dennis Schroeder had a bet. Dennis Schroeder, as he was shooting, said, "I bet you a hundred dollars." It's not going in. And LeBron turned around and, of course, went in. The bench goes crazy. They're embarrassing the Rockets. After that game, James Harden very candidly speaks to the media. I love this city. Um, I literally, you know, have done everything that I can. Um, you know, I mean, this situation is, is, is crazy. You know, it's something that uh, I don't think can be fixed. So, Basically reiterating that he wants to be out. And sure enough, 
Less than 24 hours later, he is gone. <laughs> we get to Wednesday afternoon and all hell is breaking loose. NBA Twitter is going crazy. Again, when I looked at things on Wednesday afternoon, I thought it was James Harden going to Philly, Ben Simmons, and some package going in return to Houston and that being that. Turns out we got ourselves a four-team trade. Yep. James Harden goes to Brooklyn. You get poor Jared Allen and Torian Prince going to Cleveland. Karis LeVert goes to Indiana. And then you have Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Kuruch from Brooklyn, and uh, just a plethora. Plethora. A smorgasbord, as they say. <laughs> I like that one better. A buffet of picks. I like that one better. <laughs> I, like that, I like that term a whole lot better. So, Houston gets unprotected first-round picks in 2022, 2024, and 2026. Okay. They also get unprotected pick swaps this year, which is a little cheating if you're – if you're the next, you kind of got over on that one because that <laughs> yeah. pick gonna be late in the first round anyway. So Houston's not gonna want to swap for that. Get a pick swap this year, 2023, 2025, and 2027. So I was let me let me let me jump in on this. One. Yeah, that does not also dispel the fact that there's a potential. I hate to say it, maybe a lottery pick for Houston at this point. Maybe. If, if Maybe. you if you look at how these types of trades have played out in NBA history, there is a good chance one, if not more, of those picks, whether they're the actual picks themselves or the pick swaps, somehow, some way, Houston's gonna come out with a couple of these as lottery picks, at least. And I'm talking about for them even during the season. I'm not talking about the ones they picked up via trade. I'm talking about even for themselves. Yeah. There's a potential that they could get their own lottery pick. Yes. So you have Houston now looking at this thing probably as a rebuild based on Oh, no question. Based on what they got in return. I I do like the idea of a healthy John Wall and healthy Victor Oladipo in the same backcourt. Let me backtrack. Yeah. I won't say that. Let me not say that. That this is, I know it's a complete rebuild, but there's also a great potential of them still making the playoffs. And so we'll we'll get to that in a second because I I have a thought there because the hot take to me is that the bottom of the West isn't quite as good as what people would think. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely think that. If you're Houston, you look at this season and the roster that you have right now, based on how Christian Wood has been playing, you have a healthy Boogie Cousins, you have a healthy John Wall, you now have Victor Oladipo in your building. You still got guys around them. You can trade P.J. Tucker if you decide to. You might decide to trade Eric Gordon to see what other pieces you can get back. You got the bones of a team that can at least get into that play-in mix for one of those last two spots in the playoffs come the end of the season. Maybe. So, now, back to Brooklyn for a second. Do I think they gave up too much? Not necessarily. I am always hesitant, though, to just say, okay, take however many picks as you want. Hell, I was I was hesitant. We were getting Anthony Davis. <laughs> and, and it turned out to be the right move because they won a title, but 
you are you have seen this play out badly for you if you're Brooklyn and you're a Brooklyn fan. This is not quite the same thing as trading for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce past their prime. <laughs> but you traded for James Harden really with the only having the guarantee of two years of James Harden. And beyond that, it, it gets a little dicey. So those picks, especially the ones beyond 2023 and 2024, you might be on to something if you're Houston. You might be. So I feel like especially seeing how many picks they had to give up in order to make the Russell Westbrook trade happen, um, you know, it's good for them that they're able to replenish some of those picks. So I won't bash Houston for, for their return, especially given how messy – they allowed the situation to get with James before they actually made the trade. I don't disagree with that at all, man. So, if you're Brooklyn, though, I was somebody who picked Brooklyn to come out of the East already. Like, I thought that that was a possibility even – like, once we got to the preseason and we saw Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant healthy, I knew the team could be good. My only question right now is, one, do you have the – well, I guess only two questions. One, do you have the depth? A little dicey, but when you got, you know, the ability to play around with the minutes of Kyrie, KD, and, and James Harden, you can probably get at least through the East and come playoff time with a shortened rotation with, you know, whoever around those guys, right? Are you – equipped to win a championship answer isn't quite as clear no and i know at the beginning of the season um a lot of us me included thought that the nets would be you know one of those title contending teams because you know you looked at the milwaukee bucks and especially the last two years they look really shaky right and you don't know the what what Philly can bring to the table anymore? There's very there's a lot of uncertainty, mm-hmm. and um, the Raptors uncertain. Even the I won't say the Heat won't be back, but they definitely going to be fighting for another shot at it again. But so but what it leaves is lots of uncertain spots, or a lot of, uh, at least a lot of teams that could possibly get there. Right, right. That's and, what that means. And so, like if you. If you're the rest of the East, right, Milwaukee, for instance, if I'm Milwaukee, I, I look at that and say, yeah, I'm not thrilled that I got to see James Harden in my conference now. But at the same time, theoretically, I have the guys to throw right back at them, at least defensively in terms of being able to put a Drew Holiday on Kyrie Irving, being able to you know allow Chris Middleton to, to you know hold his own against a James Harden being able to put Giannis on Kevin Durant. I mean, you at least have, you know, in essence, the matchups there to at least still feel like you, you know, you can come out on top if that matchup happened. Their front court still pretty good, even with DeAndre Jordan in the middle. So so DeAndre looks washed to me, though. I, I hate to say it, DeAndre looks washed to me. Jared Allen had basically taken all of his minutes, and then they went and decided that trading Jared Allen was the thing to do. So it made the uncertainty even higher for the Nets. Now, granted, I'm also of the belief that, you know, you get near the trade deadline before the, you know, end of the season, 
they're probably going to find a big somewhere on the buyout market that they can go get that'll eat up some of those minutes. Um, they've been playing a lot of Jeff Green, which I don't know how much of that they can get away with come playoff time, but we'll see. Um, I, I think if there's any question mark, though, it is definitely do they have enough around those guys when it gets to, you know, pressure situation playoffs, and we're talking about second round, potentially Eastern Conference, even, you know, the finals. Do they really have the pieces to be able to pull it off? I don't know. But when you get James Harden and you can add in a Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, I definitely understand why you do it. Right, but come playoff time, is James Harden going to show up? So here's here's the thing that we have to think about now in terms of James Harden and playoff failures, right? He has not shown up in a lot of the biggest moments where his team has needed it. In this situation, though, come playoff time, James Harden can go off as much as he wants to the first 44, 45, 46 minutes. When it gets down to crunch time, Kevin, have it. It's your show. Take it. <laughs> so it's, you're saying it's taking a lot of the heat off of him. Yes. like he. You got to think, it's, it's taking heat off of him because now he does not have to be the guy in those late game, you know, clutch situations as they say you can rely on a guy who time and time again has shown that he can actually come through in those moments you also get the added benefit of okay hey Kevin Durant you can take it easy early in these games now and then come the fourth quarter we gonna feed you that's kind of the way you look at it from when he was playing with Golden State yeah yeah like hey Steph didn't have Steph, to be that guy. Clay, you guys, y'all do what y'all do. All right, third quarter of my time, fourth quarter, here we go. Or hey, KD, I'm over here cooking first two quarters. Steph, here you go. Clay, get us home. Like you had options. Yep. You have options now in Brooklyn to where there's going to be some playoff games where look, let Kyrie cook. There's going to be some playoff games where James Harden might put up, you know, 35 points in three quarters. There's going to be some playoff games where Kevin Durant, you know, has 40 and 45 points. You just got to let him eat. But now you don't have to rely so heavily on Kyrie and Kevin the way that you were coming into this season. Given, you know, injury histories right now, we don't know if Kyrie's going to play the rest of the season. That's the that's also a, a small caveat we haven't touched on yet. Um, for reasons that are slightly known and unknown, he's, you know, potentially sitting out. You now have insurance for, okay, if he's not here, we can still make a deep playoff run with James Harden and Kevin Durant as the duo rather than having the trio with Kyrie. I just find it funny that Harden got to play with Kevin Durant again. That's what I find hilarious, man. Man, so, I again, I thought he was going to Philly because in this particular Spades game, I thought Ben Simmons was the big joker. Boy, did they fool us. Look, and and it turns out James really got traded for a hand of low spades. <laughs> yeah. That's really, that's, that's really what it came down to. It's true. And I think part of it, of course, just being Houston feeling like they needed to to get him out the locker room, which was evident by Wednesday. Them t- the, the statement from Steven Silas was, we thought it was in the best interest of James and of the team for him to not practice today. That signaled to me that if he showed up, some some hands was being thrown. 
And from what had been rumored, uh, it was DeMarcus Cousins that wanted to put hands on him. Yeah, so, you know, James Harden makes the statement after the Lakers game where he says, you know, we don't have enough, Um, you know, the situation isn't fixable. He basically looked at the outcome against the Lakers saying, this is the team we need to beat if we want to win a championship. We don't have enough to do that. Let me get up out of here. Fair assessment. He's not a dumb guy. He, he was able to see the writing on the wall. But at the same time, I do understand from DeMarcus Cousins' aspect of, hey, what you mean you ain't got enough? You ain't gave us a fair shake. You've been out here out of shape. You've been out here, you know, uh, avoiding the COVID protocols, champagne and campaigning when we was in training camp. Like, you haven't given, you know, enough time to really put in and put in the energy to see if this could be a good enough team. This is one outcome. You don't win every game in a well in what is this, you know, a 72 game season. You don't win every game in the season. Nobody in NBA history has ever gone undefeated. So you got to take your lumps sometimes. And you know, to Boogie's credit, he did say the disrespect started long before that night. I'm sure that's what he's referencing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, John Wall stepping in, showing his leadership, which is pretty some you know something when you think about it yeah and uh that he's taking on the role of being the leader in Houston you know only time will tell how far both sides will go and I'm talking about the Nets and I'm talking about Houston I think again Brooklyn you do this trade 10 times out of 10 now it is a little iffy because I don't think you guaranteed yourself a championship solely because you now if if you're matched up with the Lakers, who guards Anthony Davis? It's got to be KD. Good luck. Yeah, cuz James ain't going to guard LeBron. Good luck. Yeah, you you you, <laughs> you you at a you at a you at a loss here. And you're going to depend on somebody that cuz you don't have Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, he's out. Yeah, he's injured which uh, sneaky what if part of this trade is now, you know, or I guess not necessarily what if, but what happens if and when Spencer Dinwiddie is back healthy? It doesn't look likely for this season, even though it's, they say it's a slight tear of the ACL. It's ACL tear nonetheless, right? Right. So very hard for him to come back this year. But now you go into next season, you could potentially bring him back. They still have Joe Harris. You know, they still have guys, but – do you go after somebody, like trade for uh, somebody that can play some defense to help? I can't say that somebody's going to stop LeBron, but if you do face him in the finals, can you have somebody that can kind of limit him? Yeah, and you need you need another big body besides DeAndre Jordan to be able to throw at Anthony Davis because DeAndre just can't move the way that he used to. Like, that's not, that's not him anymore. And also keep in mind that Durant is coming back from his injury. Yeah. So – there are a lot of question marks in Brooklyn right yeah. now, and that's hard to sit there and say at this point that they are a title-bound team or a title-contending team, Yeah, even though the talent is terrific. And you wouldn't mind having that on your squad, especially, man, we sit here playing NBA 2K. <laughs> like, man, foes were – I never forget I had a friend on Facebook. He said, oh, so I guess everybody playing with Brooklyn now online. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. The same thing was said when when Oklahoma City back in 2012 had Durant, uh, Harden, and Westbrook. Yeah. He was playing with them. Yeah. Or the Warriors. And so, you know, 
Or the Heat, sorry. I I do think though. It, like so for me it's a little tricky, right? I was already somebody who thought that they can make the finals even before this trade. Right. It started looking a little shaky when Kyrie started going Kanye on us. <laughs> true, true. But now, like, I just, I think it's very, and I said this, you know, long before I had a podcast, long before I was anybody that could, you know, talk behind a microphone. I never understood why OKC traded James Harden as opposed to trading, you know, Serge Ibaka or Kendrick Perkins because there is no team. I don't care how you put it together. There's gonna, there's not gonna be any team that has three wing defenders that can confidently say, "Yeah, we have the advantage over Westbrook, Harden, and Durant." There was this thing about James, and I remember having some conversations with some guys about it. He said the best thing that Oklahoma City could have done was get rid of James Harden, and I'm like, "Why would you get rid of James Harden?" No. Because it was gonna come a time where all three were going to want the ball, all right? You could see it when James was in Oklahoma City, okay? Granted, he was the sixth man at the time, especially when they made it to the finals. Right. And you knew the abilities that he had prior to getting to the finals. Granted, he didn't show up in the finals, right. all right? But you knew his abilities that he could score, right? He had the, he had the audacity, man. He was just, he was just nuts mm-hmm. when he got the ball in his hands. So you thinking about, potentially three 20-point scores on the same squad. Then think of the mentalities on that. They were all young. Yeah. Playing together would have been awesome, but you also got to think of the mentality. The mentality would have shaken, and somebody wasn't going to be happy. Well, once somebody was going to have to wind up leaving. So I get that. But in that case, you just wait and you make the trade later. You hurt yourself. By trading, they traded essentially traded James Harden at least a year earlier than what they had to. And to be honest, the extension that they were going back and forth over was nothing compared to what he was probably going to end up signing, you know, down the road, right? He was, I think they were going back and forth over like a five year, $70 million deal, and he wanted 80. Okay, who cares? Just because y'all, okay, see, y'all didn't want to pay the luxury tax, and y'all end up paying a luxury tax for a team that was worse anyway, it, it makes no sense. And they were a game away from the finals without him. Not only were they a game away from the finals without him, they were in the finals going toe-to-toe with the Heat, who, again, hindsight I know is twenty twenty, but if you keep that OKC team together just for at least as long as LeBron was in Miami, I think come, you know, had they got a second, third crack at it, you could make the case that OKC could have ended up beating them. Knowing what we know now about Durant, Harden, and Westbrook. But you didn't give yourself a chance because you felt it was so imperative to trade James Harden. What do you get from it? You basically get Kevin Martin, Steven Adams, and Jeremy Lamb. And, I mean, he disappeared. Kevin Martin did. Disappeared. Like, never became the same player again. And I remember playing (laughs) – those games on 2K with, with Kevin Martin, man. man. He was a good man cooking off six uh, six men off the, off the bench. And the minute James Harden lands in Houston, it's turn-up time. He's dropping 30 left and right. So I I think now if you're Brooklyn, you just you take your chances with how it works. Because, again, I I think if, if we're 
considering every team top to bottom, you still have to say that they're the favorite right now in the East. The record might not say so much because of, you know, everything that's been going on with the Nets before this week. But I think right now you still have to say that they're the favorite, seeing what we've seen from everybody else. The Heat, I understand the Heat made a, you know, a great run in the playoffs last year. But we also have to ask ourselves some about the Heat. Was that a product of them being the best team in the East? Or was them that the product of them being a matchup problem for the teams that they happen to run into? Because I would argue that it's the latter. Interesting. Very interesting. Because, again, the bubble was a weird situation. They were one of the few teams that was there that actually wanted to be there with each other. And I think the Heat are that type of team where it's very easy for them when they can play the underdog role. I think it's very hard for them when the bullseye is on their back, at least how they're built right now. Mm. But that's that's just my take on it. That's all he can say about that. So I think the Heat are – I definitely think they're still in the mix. But if we're looking at, let's say – Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami, I'll even throw Philly and Boston in there. Those five. You can make the you could make the case that the Heat are the worst of those five teams. Mm. Cause I, I love everything that I'm seeing out of Joel Embiid in Philly right now. Yeah, it's like why are we not talking about Joel Embiid? That's because, dude, but in in the past, we didn't know which Embiid was gonna come up. And I think hiring Doc Rivers has lit a fire under him. And it's exactly the the effect that they were going for when they brought Doc in. Doc's not going to let him just sit out and, you know, trot up and down the floor, take some jump shots here. He, I watched him the other night. Granted, the Heat were shorthanded. I watched him on League Pass the other night, though. And it's a game in which, like I said, the Heat are shorthanded. They didn't have Bam. They didn't have Jimmy Butler. They were missing a lot of guys due to COVID. That's a game that in previous years, Joel Embiid would have took easy. He'd have took the night off. He'd have, you know, again, taking his three-pointers, this, this, and that. The man went ballistic. 28 points in three quarters. He did all of that with one jump shot. Like, he was going like going and bodying guys in the paint. Like, he was really being an aggressive, hungry basketball player like you thought Joel, sh- you know, should have been in these years prior. I think Philly is dangerous just because they're better. They have better pieces around him and Ben Simmons now. You have Danny Green. You have uh, Tyrese Maxey, the rookie who's playing well. Uh, you know, Shake Milton has been playing well. Uh, you know, Tobias Harris playing some of the best basketball he's played, ironically enough, under Doc Rivers again, like it was when he was with the Clippers. Um, so Philly is a, a, a dark horse for me. I think they are another team, like matchup wise. They would be willing to take their chances against Brooklyn because while they may not have the same perimeter firepower that Brooklyn does, Brooklyn doesn't have an answer for Embiid. They don't at all. So that's Philly's a a sneaky team. Boston, I I just think the way Tatum and Brown are playing, you can't count them out right now. Mm Hmm. Um. So it's. I think it's going to be a dog fight come, come the playoffs though in, in the Eastern Conference. This is one of the 
first times in I don't even know how many years where I can legitimately say I may be slightly more intrigued by what plays out in the East versus what plays out in the West. Because you kind of know what's going to happen in the West. is no sense. There's no uh, – you know who's going to win. That's, just be real. We know who's going to win the West here. The Lakers look like the best team in basketball. Like, that, that, like, period to end. We don't have to spend – again, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it. They look like the best team in basketball right now. Undefeated on the road is what it is. I think in the Eastern Conference, you literally could look up and one of any five or six teams could win the conference. Because we also have not – we have not touched on Indiana yet, and that is probably – Outside of what ends up happening with Harden and Brooklyn, that's probably the most interesting piece of this trade and them getting Karis LeVert shipping out Victor Oladipo because I, again, happened to watch a lot of Pacers games this year. Whatever their new coach, Nate, Nate B, as I've been calling him because I can't always pronounce his last name right. <laughs> For some strange reason, I want to call him Bjorken and it's not. Yeah, it's something to that effect, but I I would rather just call him Nate B than constantly pronounce the man's name wrong. But um, he has them playing a, a totally different style that they've than what they've played in previous years. They out here putting up points, getting out running. Malcolm Brogdon and Sabonis on the pick and roll looks amazing. It, Miles Turner is averaging four blocks a game. Like I I can't count Indiana out either. Now, granted, if you Again, you know, comparing them to a team like Brooklyn, do I think they have enough offense, you know, in a seven-game series to compete with Brooklyn? Hell no. But Nate B, excuse me, didn't mean cut you off, yeah. but Nate B came over from Toronto, right? Yeah, he is a, a Nate Nurse. I mean, sorry, Nick Nurse. And a lot of that is implemented on team basketball where everybody's running. Yes. And so that's why you're seeing – uh, a much different Indiana Pacer team. Yeah. I, I really like what I'm seeing out of Indiana, um, out east. And, again, they just one of the teams that they just scrap. And next thing you know, you look up in the fourth quarter, they were, you know, down seven, now they up six. Like it, they just one of those teams that find a way to stay in every game. And then next thing you know, they didn't won somewhere you thought they was going to lose by ten. So, Indiana's a, a sneaky team for me. Um, crazy enough. I've seen a lot of Charlotte games this year, and I'm impressed. Yeah. I will say that um, the Mellow Ball is the most impressive rookie this hey, year. Hey, look. I, I just had it up a second ago before we started recording. LaMelo is leading all rookies. Mind you, you can call it a small sample size, whatever. We, you know, right at about 12, 13 games for most teams right now. He leads all rookies in points, rebounds, assists, and steals. That's nuts. As a, a six 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 seven point guard, and and he's not starting yet. By the way, and well, there you have it. And he's not starting. Leaves all rookies in those <laughs> categories. I, there's not. I don't have enough words to describe what what's happened. Like that was. We gotta we gotta give Mike some credit. He finally got a draft pick right. <laughs> we got we gotta put some respect on Mike's name. A little bit. A little bit. This don't quite make up for taking, you know, Adam Morrison over Brandon Roy or taking Michael Kidd Gilchrist over Bradley Beal, but it's getting you back in, in some in even money. It's getting you close. 
Because uh-huh. I also think, and staying on the topic of rookies, we might have to ask ourselves why Minnesota didn't consider taking James Wiseman. I understand they have Carl Anthony Towns, but from everything that I've seen from Wiseman playing for Golden State, tells me that him and Towns could have played together and that could have been potentially dangerous. But also, you're looking at it from Golden State's standpoint, they needed a big man. Right, but Minnesota had the first pick. They could have took Wiseman before Golden State had a chance. They was looking at they were looking at from a backcourt standpoint. Really, Anthony Edwards, the guy that you're gonna take here. You're gonna need a solid guard to work with in Minnesota. I get it. You can you can find guards. You can find guards in the NBA like you can find running backs in the NFL. Can't disagree there. <laughs> you can you can find guards anywhere. Look, Trey Burke is still in the league and playing significant minutes for the Mavericks and actually looking good. Not saying that you know Anthony Edwards won't ever be better than Trey Burke. I'm not saying it, but you can find guys to fill those you know little holes. James Wiseman don't come around every year. He doesn't. And and what? Okay, so you get him and Towns together. You you figure okay they end up. You know, it, it doesn't look great. It doesn't work out. Okay, you can move one of them later. Like, you can – there's always a trade that can be made when you're an NBA team. Whether you feel like, okay, we're going to keep Wiseman and shop towns or, hey, we made a mistake in, in taking Wiseman. Somebody's going to – if there is a, f- you know, former number one pick available, somebody's going to trade for Spirit in. History has repeated itself too many times in that regard, showing us that, Number you know number one overall picks, regardless of how far removed from their draft that they are, are still going to be valued by somebody. So you take the chance. That's true. Because I think out of those top three, Edwards, while he has been good, I'm not going to take that away from him, he would be third if we drafted over again. Wiseman looks like a potential star, and LaMelo, like I said, is leading the rookies in all these damn categories. He's not starting. Because he know what he came to do when he was, you know, it's all about business, all right? Hey, and, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, he was going to be immature. People thought that, you know, he wasn't going to be ready, him not being able to shoot. It was a lot of the same stuff that we kind of deemed Lonzo for. Yep. Um, the difference is, to me, Melo, while he, neither one of them could shoot when they got into the league. Melo is a slightly better shooter than what Lonzo was at that point. But Melo's impact, you like Lonzo just wasn't out here getting 10 rebounds in a game as a rookie like that. Like the the pass and the feel for the game, like Mel, it just it feels different with Melo than it did with Lonzo. You also got Gordon Hayward playing really well right now mm-hmm. for the Hornets. Actually earning that contract that we said, you know, he might not have deserved. So, I think Charlotte is one of the teams where, again, you know, looking at the seven through ten spots and, you know, that that play-in situation, they're probably going to be one of those teams in the play-in. Man, I feel bad for uh, Markel Fultz. Ooh, yeah, man, look, I I don't too often, you know, I, I, I feel like injuries happen. They're a part of the game. I don't too often, like, really feel bad for players. 
I felt bad for Markel Fultz, man. Right, because he was starting to really, 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 really bring it together and was having a breakout year. Breakout year. Uh, goes down with a, a, I guess, is it an ACL for him also? Yep. Yes. So He's out for the season. Out for the season. You know, definitely wishing a, a successful, you know, recovery to him. Because that sucks, man. Like, he's been through so much, you know, in his short career in the NBA. You definitely want him to be able to come back and look like the player that he was starting to look like before, you know, going down with the injury. So, uh, with the Magic, you know, talking about the Eastern Conference, they can kind of go either way. I I can see them being, you know, in that same seven to eight seed area that they typically in. I could also see them just not making the playoffs. Um, They've played hard. They've played well at different points in the season. They've also – at you know different points through these first few games, just look like they can't score, which has been a running theme with the Magic for years now. <laughs> um, so, you know, interesting to see how the rest of their season plays out. See if Cole Anthony can kind of step into those Markel Fultz minutes and you know, um, you know, make some of, or similar impact. Anyway, he's played well. Not you know, I, flashes, I'm not yeah. going you know rave about him the same way I've you know raved about some of these other rookies, but he's had some flashes. Um, you know, I, I just think it's probably going to end up being the same old Magic team. And and that's okay. If, if they want to stay in that, you know, again, that 7AC range, to me, I would I would try to maybe, you know, shake things up a little bit. I don't know if there is a trade partner for them. Um, but they need, like, they need wings, like really good wings. They had them. They had them, and Gabe got rid of them. Tobias Harris is a good example. Yeah, but so Tobias Harris is one of those guys where he is mostly going to be a product of what is around him. And what I mean by that is you're not you're not going to sit here and say, okay, because I got Tobias Harris, I'm a contender. You're going to say, oh, if I can add Tobias Harris to star one and star two, I then we might mean. be on to something. Yeah. Um, but they, like – they're honestly a team I wish would have just said F it and traded for James Harden just because. <laughs> it, it's like it's like three or four teams that I was just looking at like, hey, y'all don't have nothing better to do. <laughs> it, it, Magic, I, I mean, the Pelicans are probably at the bottom of that list because they, they have, you know, they got, you know, young guys, they got some things going there. But you could have talked me into them trading, you know, for James Harden and putting Harden and Zion together. What's wrong with that? All right, let's talk a little bit about my my favorite squad, man. So, your Bulls. Yes. I like what I see out of them. Mm -hmm. I really like what I'm seeing from Zach Levine. Yes. I can no longer call Patrick Williams the sixth man. (laughs) I look at him the same as, like, what we talked about before the show, when we talked about – Guys like Karis LeVert, and there was somebody in this game that we looked at um, that was getting six-man minutes, but Bobby, Bobby Portis. Yeah, Bobby Portis. I look at Patrick Williams like that. You know, he'll get major the minutes, but he won't start. And so I think the one thing that I like about the Bulls is that guys are starting to find roles and find themselves comfortable in them. Yep. You could definitely see the effect Billy Donovan is starting to have on that team is just as far as how they play night in and night out. Yep. Um, Patrick, like 
Patrick Williams and that pick, I know I kind of I was a little confused by it just because I didn't know what to expect. It's starting to seem like that could potentially be, and of course we we're getting ahead of ourselves a lot here, but that could end up being one of those like he's our Draymond to you know whoever ends up being like the Steph and Clay type of stars for them. He's that That's glue guy that is going to you know play hard on defense, make the right decisions on offense, even though he's not necessarily the go-to score. He's got a little you know little mid-range game that he can trust. He's going to finish around the rim, but out of that, outside of that, he's not going to be the guy that we have to get a bucket from. Remember the day that they drafted him, and he was like, "I wasn't quite sure on what it, it, it seemed like a solid pick." Yeah, and then I went to Instagram. And seen some video of him working. And you'd be like, you saw one video. So how are you going to sit there and say this, that he's going to become great out of it? It was what he was doing in the video. Right. The type of shots that he was taking in this video. Jump shot doctors and, and all that good stuff. And how he was defending on it. Right. It indicated that this young man can be a stud, a solid player. Reminding me a bit of Lowell Dang. I, I can see the comparison. I, again, I said this right after the draft. I'll say it again. Part of my skepticism about him was really nothing to do with Patrick Williams at all. It was everything to do with the fact that he played at Florida State, and I've seen his exact body type get drafted time and time again and turn out to be nothing just because <laughs> they showed out while in Florida and State. And more than likely, it's probably because of the coach Yeah, that they didn't turn out too high. Billy Donovan is somebody that we can – that you can say has had some winning success, and he can do the same in Chicago. Granted, see, what you don't even realize, I'm proud of the Chicago Bulls. The reason why I say that is because they're adding more uh, people of color in their front office. Yep. Their general manager is a, is a man of color. Yes, sir. And so when I saw that, I was like, as long as it ain't guard packs, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. You know, and then you start making me a believer. There was a game against, I think they had their West Coast swing and they lost all three games. Mm-hmm. But each game, they were closer they were and closer and closer in every one of them, especially that game against your Lakers. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed every minute of that game. Um, you know, they actually had to leave for the majority of the game. They did. And then it, it wasn't so much that they ran out of gas. It was really just more so the Lakers like, okay, look, let's stop playing around. They did, exactly. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and when you do things like that, that can mess with your morale and your squad. Yeah. But I see the play of Zach Levine. I see the, the play of Kobe White. Granted, the last few uh, games, you, they were without Laurie uh, uh, Mekinen. And so without, them, without him, you know, it had some change. You right. know, you had to play a little harder. <laughs> it, when I see Thaddeus Young, I see an old man out there, and he ain't hey, even an old man for real. Thaddeus is still in the is still in the league collecting checks, man. Shout out to him. <laughs> we talk about securing a bag. Thaddeus been out here securing bags for years, baby. <laughs> you want to hear a crazy, crazy fact? Who's the oldest player right now in the NBA? Andre Iguodala. He's second. Mm. First is Udonis Haslam. Damn, I forgot. Yep, it is. Yep. I'm glad you brought his name up, though. Only if Jamal Crawford don't find a team, he'll be up to the top two with Udonis Haslam. Right. But the next oldest, so when they retire, yeah, 
The next oldest man is Andre Iguodala at 36. That's crazy. And 37. That's crazy. We will have potentially no 40-year-olds playing in the NBA come next season. Zero. And for all of my life, it's always been a 40-year-old at hanging least around. One. Always a 40-year-old hanging at around. At least collecting one 40-year-old collected a check. Vince Carter, you know, last season, right? And then, look, the crazy thing was Vince was out here at 42, still earning his money. But he, was, <laughs> right, he, he could still hoop. Man. Still could do some of the things he not as 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 more elegantly, more than you Yeah, know, it wasn't the same, you know, half man, half amazing. Yeah, but he still could he could still knock some in the early two thousands. But, but he'll still knock down a step back or something like that, you know. But ain't that crazy to you? Like you don't you don't hear about no forty year olds playing in the game. That that lets you know from the time that we've been around, I'm talking about after the Jordan era, we're talking about the Kobe era, the LeBron era. You seeing these guys that was coming up 18, 19 years of age yeah. playing into the league, you know, the Dwight Howards of the league. And these cats are my age. I'm 36. So yeah. Iguodala is 36. He got me by a few months. And these guys are the same age as I am. That means the league is consistently getting younger and younger and younger. Yeah. Now, granted, uh, LeBron will probably be the last individual that can play 20 seasons and still be under 40. Because I don't think Dwight is going to do it. No. No. I, to be honest, I, I would be surprised if Dwight played after this it's, year. Because it, it's as crazy as kept. I know I, I've trashed LeBron about him playing long term. But, yeah, if we're looking at it right now, sitting here today, he's going to surpass – Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in points scored. I don't think he's going to do it yeah. with ease. Then he's going to be in the 10,000 rebound uh, stat. Mm-hmm. Then he's going to have 10,000 assists. So he'll be the only player in NBA history to have 30,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, and 10,000 assists in a career. And the argument will come back. It's yeah. going to come back. It's going to come back at the end of the day. Definitely coming back, especially with the way that they look right now. They could very well get a championship this year. Yep. They could probably get number five. He could probably get number five. If he, if LeBron can pull off – we're, again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here because they still got to win one this year. He still ain't going to be the GOAT. They still, they still got to win one this year. But if he gets to six rings, I look. Still ain't going to be the GOAT. Mm-mm. I, I understand why you say that. I hope you do. But if he – if he pulls off a three-peat between ages 35 and 37, that's... A lot of people are going to say that's what's going to make him because of the age. But he's not going to be because of who he had to put on his squads to get there. I get it, but it's it, it's also... And, of course, we're not going to have this full debate now. But I think, and maybe this is, you know, newer... NBA me talking. I do think there is something to the fact that I won't say that LeBron's opponents have been better than Mike's opponents when it comes finals and all that. I just, there were, the Bulls were the dynasty, right? He didn't have to see a 73 win Warriors team. He didn't see a Spurs dynasty in the way that LeBron saw it. 
granted, early on, he was having to go through the bad boy Pistons, go through the 80s Celtics. You know, he had to get his first championship over, you know, Magic's, the, Lakers. Magic's you know, Showtime Lakers. So he did see some of those elite teams. I just I think there's something to be said for LeBron having to see like talent stacked in a way that it just wasn't in the nineties. Like you, you can't you can't blame Mike for that though. So but you also you also can't blame LeBron for making sure that he has the talent to get over those humps. That's why I will I think it was uh Richard Sherman that said it. Um greatest if you're going to say air, a goat, yeah, let's say G O T E instead of G O A T, greatest of their era. You know what I'm saying? We yeah. can we can sit here and say that because Mike was the greatest of his era, and of course LeBron is going to be the greatest of this era. Right. That's no question. And it's it's a shame though because Kobe Bryant should be in that that conversation. Well, and, and you know, but he's not. What I tell people all the time, though, you know. Because people assume that because Kobe's my favorite player that I just, you know, I will ride the fact that he's, like, the greatest of all time. And I'll be the first to admit that he's not not in that discussion with Mike and LeBron. You can't even – you can't be in the conversation when you pull the same stuff that Mike was doing. And so, with that, though, he's also done things that neither one of them did. And I feel like that still leaves a different type of legacy. Like, neither one of them can say they scored 80 points in the game. Neither nope. one of them, you know, put up 62 and three quarters. No. Nope. You know, I mean, he's got five rings. Currently more than LeBron, one less than Mike. Correct. He played 20 seasons and – With the same team. He basically had two primes. Two, eight and 24. Two numbers retired. I mean, like, he he has some – some accomplishments and some stats that are never going to be matched just like they do. The difference is unlike the two of them, he basically had had to spend his first prime with another superstar. Granted he won because of it, but people didn't really give Kobe the credit that Kobe should have gotten because they thought it was all on the back of Shaq. So there you have it. Yeah. Just like that. And so, you know, I, I think, Especially if whoever comes out of the East this year is going to be a tougher opponent than what the Lakers saw last year, I believe. It would have been – I really think it could have been a deeper series if you didn't lose uh, Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo was there initially. I think it would have been a different series. I ain't saying they would have won, but it would have been a much different series, a little bit harder, and Jimmy Butler wouldn't have ran out of gas. He wouldn't have ran out of gas, but they they were getting killed every minute that Dragic was on defense. And see, you got to remember he was injured too. But no, even even the game before he got injured, like they were getting thrashed <laughs> when he was on the court. And so you know, I, I think regardless of how that series plays out, you play that series ten times, the Lakers probably win nine, if not ten. This year. They'll probably have a tougher opponent, but I also think they're better equipped for the play. There's not so many question marks about the Lakers this year as it was last year. Correct. You were wondering, okay, are we going to get playoff Rondo again? Do they have another guy that can kind of step up and be a scorer? 
Now you don't have those questions. Okay, we got Schroeder who's going to come in and he's going to get some points. He's going to help us, you know, make plays. Mark Gasol and, you know, Montrez Harrell can give us, you know, our rebounds next to AD, our defense next to AD. Um, you know, Kuzma continuing to contribute. He's probably not the guy that you thought he was going to be, you know, his rookie year, but at the same time, you know, turned out to be a, a you know, good contributor to a championship team. I think regardless of what happens out East, they still have to be looked at as the favorite. I think right now you probably are looking at, you know, possibility of them and the Nets, which, you know, again, taking bias out of it, I think the Lakers still have the the edge because they don't have – the Nets don't have an AD stopper. It's period. The end. <laughs> That's pretty much that did. Yeah. So we, That you know, sinks it. See how it play out, but I'm really, really interested to see you know what happens the rest of the way in the Eastern Conference because I think the Eastern Conference playoffs this year could really be special if the matchups break the right the right way. Um, before I, I, I wrap up though, the Wizards, man, I just I need Brad Bill to ask for a trade. I need Brad Bill. Get to out ask of there, bro. Get out. Get out. Get out. Look, I, <laughs> I need to, to insert the sounds from the movie, man. Like, get out, please. Please. Because everything that happens in Washington just looks like bad luck right now. Just just get out. It's bad, It's dog. bad, man. It's like, bad, I, really, I really need him to get out and, and get somewhere where we can see him and, you know, make get the opportunity to make a really deep playoff run. Because I think the way he's played not only this year but last year and even, you know, when John Wall first went down uh, – you can see that growth into true superstardom for him. And I think he deserves that chance to really get a chance at, you know, playing winning basketball come playoff time. So it's my, you know, my spiel on Brad, my spiel on the East. Had some fun here with this episode, Price Check Podcast on the In The Zone Network. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is Josh Price, my man Arlington A-Train Lane joining me on this thing. Try to do this, you know, as regularly as possible, sometimes take a slight hiatus depending on what's going on in the league. But we want to make sure we cover all the biggest storylines as soon as possible. So, don't know when we're going to be back here, but it should be soon. Because I, I imagine, uh, you know, NBA is just now picking up some steam. We got to hope the season don't get canceled too, man, because they out here having COVID problems. So, coronavirus! Coronavirus! Till next time, Josh Price here on the Price Checking in the Zone Network. Checking out. This is in the zone. He'll kill. I would have had an interview with Albert Pujols if Brian Stahl didn't piss him off. I mean, I don't get too many opportunities to interview Albert Pujols, but Albert Pujols made it clear he didn't want to talk about home runs. So he gets asked about home runs. I don't want to talk about no home run, man. You got a hearing problem, man. I don't know talk about no home run. Just f*** that up. Thanks. On the In The Zone Network.